Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is episode 18 of season three of the Fly the W670 podcast, the Cody Bellinger press conference. Don't forget to listen. Don't forget to download, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast, and don't forget to leave us one of those five star reviews in this segment we are going to talk to gordon Whitmire. we're going to begin our tour of the nl central as carly interviews gordon Whitmire, former cubs scribe member of the uh, mully and haw team he used to cover the cubs and be a regular with us he's now the beat writer for the cincinnati reds and with the inquirer and uh he can now give our listeners some insight into the moves the reds have made in the offseason and their push for the national league central title Joining me now on the fly, the W podcast, glad to have on our old friend, Gordon Wittenmeyer. You remember him from being the Cubs beat writer with the Chicago Sun-Times, now covering the Cincinnati Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Gordon, how are you? I'm doing great, Crowley. How are you, man? I'm excited. I'm uh, about two and a half weeks away from heading out to Mesa, so you know that's always a good time. Beautiful. Yeah, the weather out here is great. It's way up in uh, in the mid-upper 80s now hitting a mid mid-spring stride uh now gordon you know you're the first you're the same thing though right oh yeah we well it was 70 yesterday and it's 30 degrees today so we're getting those fake uh springtime yeah my wife was telling me there was a day like that there was a two-day period like that a, a few days back too right yep so we're going like 70s to 30s every other day so hopefully we can start oh, bringing some sun back here now, Gordon, you know, we're going to be covering all the different NL Central teams, but I had to start off with you first because the Cubs just played the Reds on Tuesday. It was a 6-6 tie, although it didn't seem like it would end up that way from the way it was going. And then they play next week on May 7th. And so, I, I you know, Gordon, I was looking here, and when I looked at the Central standings last year, this is how close it came between the Cubs and the Reds. The Cubs finished with a record of 83 and 79, nine games behind the Brewers, but the Reds were right there at 82 and 80, just a one game difference separating those two teams. Yeah. I mean, it really was an exciting year for Reds fans because of all the young talent that started coming up. Yeah. Not only that, but you know, the Cubs were just one game back of the playoffs with Arizona being the last team in and the Reds had the tiebreaker against both those teams. That's how close the Reds were uh, if they'd been able to just win two games anywhere. I mean, they blew a 9 nothing lead against the Pirates uh, last week or two of the season. There would have been one of them. But anyway, uh, uh, they did it. Go back and look at the Reds' pitching stats last year. They had uh, Hunter Green, their opening day starter, and Nick Lodolo, their their second game starter, spent a combined seven months on the IL last year. And they had, I believe it's the third worst rotation ERA in the game last year. All the other teams in the bottom five were bottom feeders because that, we know, I mean, that's how it works. That's how it's supposed to work. And these guys somehow, with all the youth infusion starting in May and definitely in June, 
started winning games they had no business winning. And their bullpen, which was literally every guy in that bullpen was a waiver claim or a Rule 5 guy or a guy that was exposed in the Rule 5 draft. Guys literally that other teams didn't want or gave up on. That collective group was just a workhorse until finally getting gassed down the stretch. But they kept that team in it. Go look at their bullpen war and innings workload, and it's right up near the top of the game. All these crazy long shot weird things happened last year that put them in position to try to make the playoffs. Now, one thing to point out, right, is that well, how do you replicate that? Like, like you'll be lucky. Like they could have. I've told people this: they, they've added good players. They're a little bit better, you know, that the, the, everybody's experienced now. They've got a little more experience. They've got high-end talent. they got a tremendously high ceiling. But who knows what the floor is? I've told people this team could win 95 games or 75 games. Hmm. That's how volatile it is. Yeah, and like, you know, like you said, they had that youth infusion in May and June from June 10th to the June 23rd. And we talked about this last season, Gordon. Starts with the Cubs. The Reds went on a 12-game winning streak, which was their third best in franchise history, which, you know, when you think about the Reds and the big red machine and some of those great teams they had, I mean, that's just almost improbable. The big red machine never did that. No. You had to go back to Gus friggin' Bell. In like 1957 or something like that, when they when they had last done that. I mean, but here's the thing, Gordon. You know, we're going to talk about this later. You had a great article about the Reds and the Cubs rivalry and Bellinger coming back. But I went and I took a look at this. In the NL Central, the Reds lost the series to the Pirates five games to eight. When you talk about those two games, boy, you really can't be losing that many to the Pirates. You lost... Right. The series to the Cardinals, six games to seven. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say you lost? Ah, the Reds lost. I didn't lose any two. damn games to anybody. <laughs> the, the Reds lost to the Cardinals, six games to seven. That was the Friday they lost to the Cardinals. That knocked them out of the postseason. Yeah. And the Reds went three and ten against the Brewers, the only team in the NL Central that the Reds were able to win a series season series season series was against the Cubs. They took uh, the they took seven out of uh, thirteen games. They also had a losing record at home by a lot. They would have been a rare team to make the playoffs with a losing record at home had they gotten in. A lot of weird, weird things. Um, it, it, but it was a different team after, I think Matt McClain broke in on May 14th or 15th. It was a different team after that. The other thing is, when they opened the season coming off of a 100-loss year last year, they didn't, they didn't add players thinking they were going to make the playoffs. They just kind of filled gaps and, and went into the season knowing that at some point some of these young guys would come through and they would hope to see some player development in the big leagues. Instead, you know, and, well, and they opened up the season terrible. They opened up 7-15. and 15, Their pitching was terrible. The, the defense was even worse. And then Matt McClain shows up. And all of a sudden they get better defensively and they get a little bit faster. And then Ellie De La Cruz shows up and then Andrew Abbott shows up. Andrew Abbott goes on a 10 start tear, which saves sort of saves the pitching in the middle of the season. And you could see where these young guys made that team better and why they felt it was worth investing in the team in the off season. They've spent $108 million, most of it on pitching to sort of create a floor a solid floor to compete. And then they've got, and then they've got this 
again, this the ceiling with all this uh, high end talent that may or may not hit this year, right? Right. So when when you talk about the 2024 Reds, this is going to be weird for me because in the first time for as long as I can remember, Joey Votto. Oh, Gordon, you guys couldn't find a spot for him. I mean, he's he's sad. He's in a car wash. He's there. You go with you guys. NHL hockey games. And I'll tell you this, is it, no matter what Joey Votto's numbers were, God, did that guy love hitting at Wrigley Field. Oh, my God. Even at the end, even at almost 40 years old. And and he last year he comes back from 10 months on the I.L. with that shoulder injury and surgery. Hits a home run in his first, first uh, game back. Uh, hits a home run on his 40th birthday. Hits like has this uncanny knack for, for when this moment's big or when – People are all paying attention because it's a, a spotlight time on the calendar. Boom. He hits a home run or he has the, the big game winning hit. It, it was uh, and plus he's just a funny character. I mean, he's just an interesting <laughs> character in the game. Um, yeah, they 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 just what it boiled down to, honestly, was uh, it wasn't money. You know, it's easy to think that it's money with them. They they bought out a 20 million dollar option for seven million dollars. It's a 13 million dollar difference. But their payroll was so low, it was inconsequential. That wasn't the issue. The issue was you bring in Joey Votto back who wants to play and who wasn't really all that thrilled with sitting the bench uh, in a couple of really important games down the stretch. And you've got all these young guys who you have big plans for in 2024. Where are you going to play him? And if, and even if you come up with a formula that means he gets 250 to 400 at bats. Is he going to be happy with that? You know, kind of rotating through the DH spot. Is it coming off the bench is, you know, and are you, is that the best way to use a roster spot? Right. Right. It, it's time, but man, he is just such a institution in Cincinnati, but oh, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I, I thought, I thought they should bring him back just for that. I mean, got this opportunity for a guy to finish his career in Cincinnati, just one more year. He was a huge influence with all these young guys, find a way to make it work. I was right. advocating for that. I thought that made a lot of sense, but at the end of the day, baseball decisions, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of baseball decisions, Nick Senzel gone, Ben Lively gone, right-handed pitcher. But like you were mentioning earlier, the Reds spent $108 million, uh, Jaime Candelario, who Cub fans, again, he came through the Cubs system and then came back last year, injured back injury for uh, the Cubs. So that was kind of didn't get to see the best of him. You mentioned Frankie Montes, and, and he looks like he's doing really well this spring. Emilio Pagan, Nick Martinez. So definitely loading up on the arms here. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, when if everybody's healthy, so they got like seven guys uh, going for the five rotation spots. Um, if everybody's healthy, four would, you'd think four would be locked in for sure. And that would be Hunter Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, and Frankie Montas. We know what he's been when he's been healthy. He was the pitcher everybody wanted from Oakland for two years. Uh, he was a near miss all-star a couple times. Once, once cause he got popped for PEDs, right? I mean, he was, he was on his right. way to an all-star appearance that year. But this guy uh, was a rising star in the game until that shoulder injury that cropped up right before he got traded to the Yankees in 2022. He's healthy now. He came to camp this year as uh, uh, in his throwing progression ahead of everybody in camp, and his stuff looked electric. You saw it. Uh, I, I, did you watch that game the other day? 
Yes, sir. Did you see him uh, on the, the two strikeouts, both looking, one spotting a breaking ball and one 96 miles an hour? Yeah, he um, looked, he looked, the Cubs couldn't do anything. They couldn't get a, they couldn't buy a hit really. They had a, what, a walk in the fourth and it wasn't until PCA got that double in the seventh mm-hmm. that uh, they even got a hit off anyone. My, my thinking on Frankie Montas is that you've, like, he was their last starting pitcher sign. He was their last, they, they actually brought a reliever in after that, Brent Suter, who's a nice addition to the bullpen. Um, but uh, Montas came in in January and, or right around the first of January. They had already made the the pitching acquisitions that they felt stabilized them. And with everybody coming back healthy, you had enough guys to think you could fill a rotation pretty competitively. He's the guy that's the upside gamble, right? He's got health issues. He may not hold up. That's the big question with him. But if he does, that's the guy with this track record. He's pitched in the playoffs. And he's got a high ceiling. If that guy's healthy for you all season, watch out. The Reds are at least going to be in it all year. I think he's the guy. Uh, all else being equal with everybody else, I think they'll. I think they got enough talent. They can. They can at least hang in there and be competitive and all that. But he's the guy that could make that could be the difference in doing something special there. Um, you just like I think you go over to Milwaukee. Uh, Chorio might be that guy, right? Right. Um, it seems like everybody uh, might have a guy like that, you know, and uh, is Imanaga that guy uh, for, for the, the Cubs is Bush. I mean, if Bush does something significant this year with the opportunity he's going to be given, um, uh, you know, Belly's the obvious one, right? Right. Suzuki, Suzuki for a whole season. I don't know if he's I- for a whole season. I've been saying say is the guy for me that I feel is going to have a breakout year this year. I think this is, you know, first camp, hopefully healthy all camp. I think I'm hoping he comes out and has a great season. Having Imanaga in the clubhouse with him, I think kind of just might loosen him up a little bit, you know, and make him feel a little bit better. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But as far as the Reds are concerned, you know, up the middle, no question. Matt McLean, you mentioned him, what, he, what a difference he made. And Ellie De La Cruz, you know, he's just a really electric player. But the question for me, Gordon, is third base. And 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 so it's kind of right. like you got this Noel V. Marte, Spencer Steer, Christian Carnacion Strand. I mean, and, and you re-signed Jonathan India. Where, where are these guys all playing? Yeah, right. You're talking about, wait a minute, your concern in Chicago's third base, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why, didn't, why didn't your boys talk to uh, Jamer? I don't know. You know, I mean, he was here and, and I, I heard right away, just right even from the end of the season that they weren't going to go with him. So, yeah. you know, it, I think that, you know, it, it was definitely an interesting, you know, cause like I said, he came, he had the back injury, but when he was healthy, he looked really good for the Cubs for the two, two and a half weeks. We had him healthy. The Cubs had him healthy. So yeah, I was in, I was in Chicago with the Reds when the, he came over the, the first two, three days, he looked like Babe Ruth. Right. So what do you guys think you're going to do there for third? Who do you think is going to get the, the glut of the starts in Cincinnati? Well, if, if he's healthy, he gets off the kind of start they, they hope and expect. It would be Noelvi Marte, who, by the way, broke in last year, but he's the one guy from that group that still maintains rookie status. He's got his eye on rookie of the year. That's going to be a tough. I mean, you got Yamamoto uh, <laughs> as, as a rookie. And, and then, you know, Imanaga, too. And Chorio is uh, supposed to be a stud. So 
who knows, but uh, he's got some experience and he's got a power speed mix and he's a nice looking player. He hit 300 uh, in the, in the, uh, in his what six weeks in the big leagues last year, probably him steer is going to be an outfielder. They've already moved him. He's going to be a full-time outfielder and India has been taking reps in the outfield too. Um, if he plays, it'll be at, if he plays in the infield, it'll be at second base and maybe a rotation involving first base. But they're going to try to get him a lot of at-bats in the outfield. So De, De Cruz right now is your shortstop. McLean's your second baseman. And uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand is going to get some first base time. And then Jamer just kind of floats, right? He could be the opening day third baseman. Could be the opening day first baseman. Could be the DH. You know, so they're – last year when they had – for about a minute when everybody was healthy and all those young guys were up at one time, uh, David Bell didn't know he had in, in their mind, he had 10 starters basically or nine, nine starters for eight positions. So what he did was he came up with a nine man rotation essentially for the eight spots. And, you know, the catcher and center field were, a little more stable, but essentially everybody was going to get a day off every seven to 10 days. And they had so many guys that could play infield outfield combinations that uh, he, he thought he had a way that it was going to work. And then somebody got hurt and then somebody else got hurt. And so that plan didn't last very long. I suspect that in that that's kind of the fallback position here, but I also think that it's baseball and things will take care of itself. Right. Right. And when, when you talk about the pitch and you mentioned Frankie Montas, but the question is going to be health with Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft, uh, Nick Lodolo, and, you know, Andrew Abbott, I thought had, you know, was really underrated when it comes to that group. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if everybody's healthy for the Reds, that could be a really dangerous rotation. I, I will tell you the guy that you didn't even mention is I, I think that by definition is almost makes him more underrated is Brandon Williamson the left-hander who came up in May, middle of May, um, didn't really look great. He was an emergency call-up because so many guys were hurt, and, he, and they had to keep running him out there. By the end of the season, he was – when Graham Ashcraft finished on the IL, Brandon Williamson was probably their best starter for the last th maybe three weeks of the season, and he just kept getting better. Andrew Abbott came up and for 10 starts was just lights out, but he pitched a lot, and, and, and he – hit that sort of, uh, uh, I was going to say rookie wall, but really, I mean, he just, whether he, he pitched, he threw more innings than he had anywhere, even, even in college and the pros combined his first year. And he's only shoot. I think he had only been, you know, like two professional seasons or something at that point. So he hit a wall and they kept running him out there every fifth day and he gave him what they had, but you know, Two, you know, two innings, two real good innings, falter in the third or fourth, try to get through the fifth. It was that kind of thing every time out. But he looks better now. And with that experience, he says he's he's ready to to be have more stamina through the season. We'll see. But those are the guys at the end, right? So if everybody's right. healthy, L Lodolo might be the best of all of them. And he missed almost the entire season with a stress fracture in his leg. And they're taking him real slow to make sure that he builds up without aggravating anything. Uh, who knows, man, who knows, but there's talent there. That's the thing. They got a ton of talent. Well, I'm, I'm going to go into one of your favorite things here, Gordon. I'm going to go into the Pakoda projections here. Oh, good Lord. 
And then when I look at the Pagoda projections, they got the uh, AARP St. Louis Cardinals winning the division with Chicago at 81 wins, Milwaukee at 79, and Cincinnati at 78. So again, three games, you know, separating Cincinnati from Chicago from, you know, second to fourth. They got them close, which I think we agree with. But you and I were talking earlier. I think we both agreed that this division to me is going to come down to the Cubs and the Reds. I think they're going to be, that's going to be a dogfight. I totally, that, that was actually the word that Kyle Hendricks used yesterday. Um, yeah, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I mean, look at hundred percent, another Kyle Hendrick ism. Uh, <laughs> so look at the Cardinals, right? what they win last year? 71, 72 games. Yeah. That's a hell of a leap. I don't care what you added on that pitching staff. I mean, are you really that thrilled with Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn as, 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 count on it, bankable, every five-day competitive starters? I mean, maybe, maybe, but I don't know. I, I, I like Sonny Gray, but they also, you know, they also lost a lot of their rotation from last year, too. So, you know, by design, this is by design, but I think that's a hell of an ask. That's a heavy lift. Um, the Cubs are basically the same team in their in – their, uh, you know, their metrics suggest that they didn't perform as well as their abilities. Does Craig Council make a difference? I don't know. I think Rossi got shafted, honestly. I, I don't think he was patently bad at managing anything. I thought he was just fine. Is Council the best manager in the game? Some people think so. How much difference will that make? I guess we'll find out. Yeah. They'll be in it. And, and again, the Reds have tons and tons of talent. They think they have enough depth now. They should be there. It's just a matter of who's going to step up and, and, you know, uh, whether they're going to have too many young guys not be able to, to sort of back up the talent just yet. We'll find out, but the, the Brewers, I don't know. They got a brand new manager and they, they don't have Corbin Burns. They might have the best starting pitcher in the division, Peralta. Right. Right. It, it, and again, the question is, is, is how much of a difference does that make for the Cubs and how much does that hurt the Brewers? Uh, that's, right. we're, that's the fun of getting ready for it. But I'll tell you, Gordon, I will never get used to this playing every other team because the Cubs do not face the Reds until the end of May, early June. And then of course they have, they face them twice in a week. I mean, that's always, I don't understand why they do that. It makes no sense to me. I, I, Somebody's got to explain it. I, I don't know. It's, it's, I've given up a long time ago on trying to understand the schedule. Believe me, why why do we start? Why do we have so many openers in cold weather cities when you got warm weather cities and domes sitting empty the first first few days of the season? And how about this though, Gordon? We're talking about the Cubs and the Reds and and, and the dogfight. They finish the season in Chicago at Wrigley Field. Three games: Cubs versus Reds. That again, I'm looking at that, and that may be a really important series for one or both teams. Hey, man, imagine if Imanaga is doing what the Cubs hope, uh, Montas is doing what the Reds hope, Hunter Green's healthy, Lodolo's healthy, uh, Kyle Hendricks is Kyle Hendricks, um, and Justin Steele is backing up what he did last year. What if that's your rotation with the division on the line in that last series? It, it's got me excited, Gordon. I'll tell you that. And I appreciate you jumping on here to talk and give us a little bit of, of depth and, and understanding of what's going on in Cincinnati. Can you tell our listeners, you you write for the Cincinnati Inquirer so they can find your articles there. Where can our listeners find you on Twitter? Uh, 
at G-Dub, like I just changed G-Dub Cub to G-Dub MLB. G-Dub MLB. And so that's why, that's where I always kind of peek there. And you had an interesting article the other day in the Cincinnati Enquirer about, you asked about uh, Cody Bellinger returning to the Cubs and what that means to the Reds. They weren't sounding like they were too scared. Yeah, they basically shrugged. When they said, hey, it's the same team as last year, and I think we beat them in the season series. Um, one of them said, I think Jonathan India said, we're, we're still the team to beat. And Spencer Steer said, cool, let's go beat them with Joe, uh, Cody Bellinger. <laughs> They're well, young, and I got a feeling it's going to be a little bit chippy this year, Gordon. I got a feeling. I, I don't know. It might be, but I think that also speaks to these guys have that year under their belt and that, and that sort of September – fire of a playoff race under their belt they feel pretty good about themselves and i think a lot of the cubs have a right to feel good about themselves too but uh, it goes back to your dogfight theory it's gonna be a fun one cody talked about it today a lot of those guys felt like they have some unfinished business they 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 felt that they should have been a playoff team and they they let it slip and and they're hungry to kind of show that they are a playoff team so Gordon, I'm looking forward to this season, looking forward to having you back on in the end of May, early June. And, and like I said, hopefully see you at Wrigley and, and we'll, we'll have a drink or two and, and see where we are at that point. That sounds good, man. I especially like that idea of a drink or two. (laughs) Take care, bud. All right. You too.